Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? In the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a good question, a great question, a very practical, useful question with application to our daily life. How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? After spending a couple Sundays pondering the great upside-down and backwards, reverse, opposite, unexpected way Jesus does things in his kingdom. This morning, as we heard, Peter wants to quantify all this elusive teaching. Peter wants it put in a form he can understand. Peter wants a number. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Because there has to be a limit, right? I mean, the same sin against me over and over and over again. There has to be a limit to my forgiveness, right? A line in the sand? A point beyond which I am not required to forgive anymore? Peter certainly thought so. So even did the rabbis of his day, Peter's day, Jesus' day. They said the magic number was three. Three times you were supposed to forgive your brother for the very same sin committed against you. So Peter probably thinks he's being pretty magnanimous in going to the next highest divine number, seven. God's Sabbath number. Seven sounds like a super generous number, especially compared to three. Seven times you were sinned against, seven times forgive. More than doubling what the rabbis said. Jesus has to be pleased with how forgiving Peter is willing to be. Or not. Because Jesus says no. Not seven times. More. And so much more that to get there, it's easier to multiply than add. Seventy times seven. But the point is not that the number is exactly 490. The point is, who can count the amount of forgiving we are supposed to do? We will lose count before we ever get around to forgiving 490 times. Jesus' point is that forgiveness keeps no count. That's bookkeeping. And bookkeeping is the way of the law. Bookkeeping is not the way of Jesus. But boy, how do we love to keep book on sins? At least the ones committed against us. He cheated me. She slandered me. Oh, he rolled his eyes. Grudges are nursed and cultivated and hang around so long they seem like pets. Paraphrasing Dave Ramsey on debt. I'm never speaking to him again for what he did to me. Wow, what did he do to you? Well, I don't remember, but I'm never speaking to him again. 
That much I remember. Jesus' words this morning reveal how God expects his kindness, how God expects his forgiveness of us to play out in the kingdom he is establishing. Two words this morning characterizing the life of discipleship with Jesus. Forgiven, forgiving. And to make this point in a real practical way, the way Peter seems to want, Jesus tells a story, a parable. One of Jesus' patented startling stories designed to shake up the thinking of his hearers. In this case, it's about a king who forgave one of his servants a debt that would have taken the servant, and get this, 60 million workdays to pay off. It was an absurd amount of money, but this helps make the point. The servant deserved debtor's prison, but instead, by sheer grace, the king lets him off scot-free. But what does this guy do with his newly found freedom? He goes out and tracks down a fellow servant who owes him just 600 bucks, grabs him by the throat, and demands to be paid. The servant has just been forgiven a debt that would have landed him in prison for at least a thousand years, literally, but now won't forgive a debt that by comparison is insignificant. Well, when word of all this gets back to the king, all bets are off, and all debt canceling too. And the king now has the unforgiving servant thrown into prison until his debt is paid, and then Jesus' punchline to this parable, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I think it's safe to say on the basis of this that if there is one thing we can say God hates, it is unforgiveness. Because God's like the king in the parable who discovers that his grace is being used, misused, to extract the last dime out of a fellow servant. And God hates that. We will not get this whole forgiveness thing right until we get this right. God forgives us first. And we're the ones who owe him big time. What others do to us, well, that's pocket change compared to what we do to God. That's one of the problems of unforgiveness. We forget or worse deny how much God has forgiven us. The other problem with unforgiveness is that it sets us against God. He's in the forgiveness business. He sent his son to die and rise for the sin of the whole world. And when we turn around and hold the world hostage to our unforgiveness, we are denying God's forgiveness. Again, to impress upon his disciples this point, Jesus tells this parable. But he almost didn't have to, at least not make up a story. He could have just done what the lectionary folks wisely did this morning and paired Jesus' teaching on forgiveness with the Old Testament story of Joseph. 
Now, we didn't hear anywhere near the whole story. Our text this morning, I just read to you the happy ending. But the story begins with Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. Hauled off to Egypt where he eventually winds up a servant in the house of Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. Potiphar's wife makes a move on Joseph. Joseph dodges it, but unjustly ends up in an Egyptian prison anyway. But thanks to God's gift of interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph is released from prison and comes to be put in charge of the entire grain supply of Egypt. So that when a famine hits the land, Joseph just so happens to be in a position to help his father, his dastardly brothers, and their families. When they come to Joseph for food, not recognizing him at first, there is an eventual tearful family reunion where Joseph reveals to his brothers who he is. But then when their father dies, the brothers become afraid that Joseph now, this is his opportunity to take his revenge on them. So they beg Joseph for forgiveness. They bargain with him, plead with him, attempt to cut a deal with him so that Joseph will not now pay them back for all the evil they did to him. But we heard how this ended. Joseph has no vendetta. And why not? Well, how could Joseph not forgive as a child of the God who forgives? And then comes that memorable line that is engraved in the scriptures for our learning and how we need to hear it over and over and over again, not seven times, but 70 times seven. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Dare we believe and live like this, dear brothers and sisters in Christ? Dare we believe that the evil the world throws at us, God will take up in his own hands and redirect it for good. He does have a track record of doing such things. There is an example before our very eyes every week of how this is true. The cross that hangs over the altar. Men meant that for evil. They wanted to kill the Son of God, silence Him, destroy Him, get rid of Him for good. So they lied and they betrayed and they connived and they miscarried justice to get Him nailed to a Roman cross. Evil compounded upon evil. But God used it for good. For your good, for my good, for the world's good, for your salvation, my salvation, the salvation of the whole world. It would have made a great eighth word from the cross out of the mouth of Jesus. You mean it for evil. God will use it for good. That is faith talk. 
believing and confessing that God intercepts the evil and the disastrous missiles that are intended for our destruction, catches them in his fatherly arms and sends them in the direction he wants to go for the benefit of his children. That's faith in Jesus talk. Believing and confessing that it all goes through the cross of Jesus. All goes through his crucified body. All goes through his shed blood as God intended all along. Meant for evil. God can use anything for good. Because through that cross, God has made peace with the whole world. And with you, his baptized child. So how can we not forgive? How can we not let it go and let it be? How can we not die to all the evil done to us, knowing, believing that in Jesus, God will work it for our good? Forgiven. Forgiving. Forgive the brother. Forgive the sister. Forgive the neighbor. Forgive the friend. Forgive the enemy. Forgive. And you will know the freedom that comes with being the children of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.